Welcome to the Creators of AI podcast. I'm your host, David, and this is a show where we share insights about the future of artificial intelligence and how it will affect the lives of people working in the creative industries. Before I get into the normal intro, I just wanted to thank all of our listeners for sticking with us while we've been growing the podcast. According to a podcast study by Amplify Media, 90% of podcasts don't get past episode three and another 90% quit after 20 episodes. So simply by publishing our 21st episode today, we've placed ourselves in the top 1% of all podcasts. I think that's an amazing statistic. So in celebration of reaching such a significant milestone, I've got the most widely known guest we've ever had on the podcast, Mike Russell. Mike is the founder and creative director of Music Radio Creative, and he's the host of a popular YouTube channel with over 300,000 subscribers and 60 million views. In our wide-ranging conversation, Mike and I discussed the evolution of the audio industry, particularly emphasizing the integration of AI in product and consumption. Mike highlighted the impact AI's had on content creation, productivity, and how it's changing the landscape of the voiceover business. And we also delved into the ethical and legal debate surrounding AI's role in creativity and intellectual property. Mike is an accomplished audio producer and entrepreneur with over 15 years of experience in the field. He's the founder of Music Radio Creative, a company that specializes in audio branding, jingles, and podcast production. Mike has a passion for audio and has worked with clients from around the world, creating engaging and effective audio content for a variety of media, including radio, TV, podcasts, and of course, online videos. He's the host of a popular YouTube channel where he shares his expertise on audio production and provides tips and tricks for creating high quality audio content. With a keen ear for detail and a commitment to excellence, Mike, as an Adobe certified expert, has established himself as a leader in the field of audio production. Links to Mike's profile and social media will be in the show notes as usual on our website at creativeswith.ai. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy this amazing sounding conversation with Mike. Mr. Russell, good morning. David, great to be here. (laughs) How are you doing? How's life these days? Yeah, it's it's getting interesting. It went through a time where I thought, like, is it really worth creating any more content? Because it seems like ChatGPT can do it all more efficiently than me. And I've got to the stage now where we get to towards the latter part of the year that this technology was introduced, where I'm actually feeling like it's genuinely augmenting me. It's genuinely actually making me a better human being. And I, I have real hope and faith for humanity that we're we're at the start of something really exciting. Oh, I'm glad someone has faith for humanity. <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> so I will have done the, the the bio, the sort of formal bio for you, but I think it would be good if, if you just do a quick bio, just give everybody a little bit of a, a background on, on what you've been doing over the past couple of decades. I mean, you've been working, I know, in audio and, and, and working with sound and video for, for ages. And so if you could just give a little bit of background to sort of you know, introduce yourself and then set the scene for the conversation. That'd be great. Sure. It all started when I was really young in the 90s, uh, getting into radio and working for local radio and then regional radio, national radio stations in the UK and beyond. I've hosted breakfast shows in Australia. And really, radio is my my background. So I come from a, a hosting set of experience. I've also worked in the production rooms, creating jingles and audio clips and things like that. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. Fast forward a little bit of working in radio. That's where Music Radio Creative, my audio production company, came about. And now we work with clients all 
all over the world still to this day, podcasters, businesses, radio people, anyone really who needs a voice and needs it produced nicely with effects and music. Uh, So that's something we do and I'm really excited about. I suppose now really my day-to-day is I'm a content creator. I'm a a YouTuber and a podcaster, if you want to broadly categorise it. And I have been on YouTube for over a decade now talking about audio audio editing, enhancing your sound, uh, sounding the best you possibly can. And that's gone on really happily for over 10 years. And then AI came about and all of these audio editors are introducing nice features that do a lot of the heavy lifting for you, like reducing the background noise. So a lot of my teaching is no longer necessary there because it's turning into one-click buttons. Hence why I'm looking towards AI, because it's just so exciting. And I've heard this said many times before, certainly I'm sure on your podcast, I listen to your show regularly, that actually really AI is not going to replace us. It's hopefully going to augment and enhance us and take away the boring bits because like there are so many parts about what I do and I do what I love, David, every day that I find really boring and brain draining. Uh, And AI can take a lot of that weight off my shoulders and it's incredible. I'm sure we'll dive into some of the stuff I'm doing with AI, but yeah, it's insanely cool and I'm, I'm feeling in a really good place right now. Who knows? what the future holds. But right now, at this moment in time, as we we do this show, I I feel really good. Excellent. That's really good. And full disclosure for everybody in the audience, I have your guys do my sound editing for the podcast, which is partly how we know each other. We met at the podcast show in person um, earlier this year, and then we've had a few conversations back and forth. And I really wanted to, I've been looking for somebody who had experience with audio and sort of, you know, audio engineering and sound engineering and had a background in that. Because, I mean, I was looking in, you know, again, into your sort of bio and stuff. And I know you started your company back in, I think, 2005. So you're nearly on 20 years of, of professionally working with, with audio, at least with your own company. And the thing that really struck me was what sort of changes have you seen over that time period? I mean, you know, going back to kind of 2005 and then starting, you know, then YouTube was started around that time, I guess. And then, you know, you started your YouTube channel around 2010, I think, or something like that, or something. Like I looked at it and I was like, was it YouTube even a thing back then? Um, (laughs) So, but, but again, so thinking about that, right. And the, and the kind of history, like, like my dad was a, was a radio DJ in, in Dallas back in the seventies for KAND radio. And he used to take me into the studio when I used to go and see him and it was all 45s, right? Like the walls, the whole radio station was just walls of 45s back then, you know, and, and, and I just think about even how much that's progressed and, you know, radio stations now are totally digital. There's one down the road in, in like a shop on the high street in Tunbridge Wells. And, and so it's so different now. And so I just wonder if you could maybe just kind of think a little bit out loud and just think about, you know, all the changes that you've seen over that time and how things have changed and and what that's meant for you and and how you kind of see just AI as another maybe evolution of of things that are happening. Does that make sense? It really does. And just by telling that story about the evolution of radio from the wall-to-wall 45s to, you know, completely digital now you've triggered a significant memory of uh, the digitization of radio that I experienced in my lifetime. 
So I started, uh, you know, my career at a hospital radio station. For those listening outside the UK, that is a radio station based inside a hospital that broadcasts to people who are inside hospital. And yeah, it had wall-to-wall 45s and you would go and you would you would take the records off the shelves and put them into a little pile and then put them on the Technics deck. And as you open the, the fader, yeah, for yeah. a technical term there, it would start to play the record and you'd have to wind it back about a quarter turn so it didn't go as it started. <laughs> exactly. <that>. Yep, yeah. <laughs> And then in my lifetime, it went from using at the radio stations I worked at, Minidisc and CD, to suddenly digitizing the whole content library. And I still remember walking into the production room of the radio station I worked at and seeing one of the presenters in his spare time playing mini discs into this computer and I said what are you doing he said I'm recording all of our record library into this system I was like what does that system do he said well it's it's going to automate the radio station and that's so I've already you're right I've already seen change because AI now is a big new change but I remember when that suddenly became a thing and it no longer required humans to start the music on the radio station and a computer could automate it and therefore well essentially it was a good thing at first because like hey we can we can now do an overnight show we could never yeah. do that before yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it then came to well actually we can probably automate the whole radio station and just have a live breakfast show so a lot of radio hosts got laid off because of that and um, a lot of radio stations got networked which means right. um, you know one local radio station would team up with another another and then you'd have this national picture where you have this brand like, for instance, in the UK, Heart, all across the UK, or Capital, global. all across the UK. Is it global? Is that why? Global radio, yeah. 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 It's And I think that's happened across a lot of businesses as well, right? It's not just radio. I mean, that's happened across TV. You've got the same sort of thing. Journalism is a massive one. You know, you've got all these big journalism groups and, you know, you've got... I don't know, you'll have one group and they'll have tons of small newspapers, you know, local newspapers all around the UK. And then what happens is, is, is 80% of the content is the same. And then you have, a, you know, two or three local reporters who kind of report on local, you know, feel good stories and oh, there's a new pothole on the on the high street kind of thing. But broadly speaking, it's it's brought it all together. So how do you see... So again, going, kind of going back to that, how do you see AI as just the next evolution of that? It's really interesting. So going back to the digitization, you'd have radio hosts recording a whole three-hour show, and it would take them 10 or 15 minutes to do so. And that show would then play out uh, from the computer system. What I've seen happen specifically in radio is the fact that you can actually get really good human, realistic voices now generated by AI. And I've seen various different companies utilizing this as an opportunity to automate radio hosts with AI. So no longer is the human required, but you know maybe it's looking for the trends that are happening or the local weather forecast or the local traffic news. And then it's pulling from an API of a service that generates realistic human voices, generating those voices on the fly, inserting them in the what we'd call links between the songs and fully automating a show, which in a way is very scary. And yes, I've seen it before when radio hosts got laid off because computers could play the music and automate their links. Now you don't even need the creativity of the radio host, although I would slightly argue that because I think still at the time we're recording this episode, 
AI hasn't quite got that human element to it. It's a little bit soulless. When you ask it for ideas, it's a little loose and it doesn't really have a, a thought or a brain. The only thing that I've seen that's quite convincing so far uh, is from the uh, founders of DeepMind and LinkedIn, one of the LinkedIn co-founders, right. Inflection AI, like that Pi chatbot, which is claiming to be the most human AI chat available, that is pretty scary. And if that's a, a preview of what's to come, then I think we're really going to start to see personality come into, into this, which is going to be interesting for creatives. It is. And you and I were talking before we started recording about Stephen Fry at Cogax. And I was in the room when he, when he gave the presentation and he stood up and he, the way he approached it is he sort of made you think that what he was going to do was play a sample of his voice and then a sample of an AI voice, and that he was going to compare them. So he put it up and he played this video and it was him doing a voiceover about World War II or something. And it went through the whole thing. And then he just got to the end. And I guess the last maybe 10 or 15 seconds was a different sounding voice. And so everybody sitting there, we all thought, it's like, okay, he's read that. And then he's played this AI voice because it wasn't quite as good. And then when he stopped, he said, that was all AI. And everybody was just gobsmacked. And we were just like, wow, okay. And some he's like, I didn't even know about this. You know, my agent called me because he he'd found out that someone had done it. And he said, But somebody took, you know, the the seven Harry Potter books that Stephen Fry narrated, put that in and made a voice. And it was so realistic and so good. The inflection was amazing. I mean, I have no idea what company he didn't mention who did it, but I know what you mean. It's it's you know, I've I've played with Eleven Labs a little bit because I know you're a big fan and you talk about Eleven Labs a lot. Um, so I've actually gone to have it make a voice print of my voice. I haven't had it back yet, so they're still processing it, but I gave it like five hours of of, of podcast talking. So it's going to be quite boring probably, but, uh, but we'll see. Uh, so I'm quite interested to see what that's going to be like when it comes back. Just a quick point for everybody listening. I, I have a feeling in this conversation that we're going to mention a lot of tools. <laughs> and um, I will try and make a note of all of them and put links for everybody if you want to go see all these things. So uh, we don't support anyone over another. We don't have any skin in the game with any of them, but I suspect that we're going to talk about a lot of really cool tools. So I uh, just wanted to throw that in there. So from your business perspective, I know you use or you're talking a lot about using AI, but do you, how much of a risk do you see that to you know to your voiceover business that you have and and what you're doing at the minute and you know I know you said that you've you know you've I know you embrace it and mm. you know from the YouTube channel people are interested in it and you know you train people and you teach everybody how to use all the tools and so you have to be up to date with what's going on but how you know from a when you sit down at night and you think about you know where's my business going how how do you feel about it yeah. So I'm potentially going to be a little bit controversial here, which might be quite good, uh, and say that it's it's a huge risk. And everyone who's creative uh, should be thinking and uh, pivoting and seeing how they can change what they're doing to remain current in this time. There is absolutely no doubt about it. You know, we're already starting to see a change in the way people do business with us. So, you know, less and less people are ordering just single dry voiceovers because why would you when you have to wait 
24 hours to three days for someone to sit down and record it and you can get as good a voice now let's not sugarcoat it in any way as good a voice now in seconds and you can pay pennies or cents to have it produced so yes that's changing just the same as graphic designers have seen things like mid-journey really cut into their business this is changing and it's changing fast and my opinion is you need to look at how you can be a part of this or get crushed by the stampede because it's happening and it's time to learn these tools some of the the smartest people in the space like uh Imad from Stability said you know you better start learning how to use these tools because this is the future and i think what we're seeing right now uh with big companies like Microsoft and Google up against each other is we're seeing a little bit of an ai arms race going on and this is i find this quite exciting the way you know you know yes chat gpt was there first and then they released gpt4 and we were like wow this is incredible and then bard came along and we said oh that's okay and then they came along and said hang on we're going to tie this into all the google apps and we'll be able to search your email and book appointments and book flights for you and then we're like oh your move open ai and it's it's the same in my industry yeah. with uh, the cloning of the voice and using ai to create realistic human voices there's not just Eleven Labs, but there's Playhit as well. There's Resemble AI, there's Merv, and they all do unique things in the space. So while I would say Eleven Labs is probably the biggest right now, Playhit has already got there and said, well, you know, we can clone voices and make them happy or make them sad or make them angry. Okay, you'll move Eleven Labs. <laughs> and then we're looking at somewhere like you know, for instance, Resemble, and they're really interested in exactly cloning voices, and that's their thing, and Murph are interested in high-quality voices, so they're all battling against each other to be the best, and, you know, this is where... I know, David, I've heard you say, we, we, in a way, the guardrails need to come on at some point because it's like, how far do we take this? And, you know, how much are things going to change in the next few years? I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts because I think you can see things changing from where you sit, right? Well, 100%. And I posted a, a, a reel not too long ago when I was talking to you about, you know, the irony of the fact that I have the podcast and, you know, and it's about, you know, warning people in the creative industries about, you know, the AI and, and it taking people's jobs. But yeah, I use all the AI to, so I don't have to hire anyone. And, uh, you know, I do see the irony in that. But what's interesting though, and I think this might be something that you'll find is, it, again, is I think everybody thought, oh, it'll do stuff for us. And what we've now come to realize is it doesn't actually do stuff for you, it, but it helps. And AI is an enabler at the minute. And I think for me, the tools that I use, you know, the, the most important part of the podcast and the thing that I try and focus on the most is talking to really interesting people, right? Like I want experts in their field. I want to talk to interesting people. I want to hear what you have to say because you've been in the industry for ages and, you know, you are at the call face of audio and audio engineering and sound and that sort of thing, right? That's not my area. And I really try and focus on the part of, trying to have engaging conversations and I'm trying to always improve my skill and ask better questions and, you know, so that the the listeners have a better experience and they, you know, they're learning something all the time. That's my focus. And, but using AI and using the tools on the side mean that I don't have to over rotate and spend all my time sitting and trying to write a transcript. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't imagine what, like, like how different is it for you, for example, if you wanted to do a transcript of something like five years ago, that must have been painful. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now it's true. 20 seconds. 
and yeah. and you upload a, a sound or a video file and you know i i think you can even do it in in adobe premiere pro i think i saw something is is it'll even do transcripts out of that now i think <laughs> you please correct me if i say something wrong but um that's true yeah but, and yeah it's a very interesting point you raise on transcripts because you're right only five years ago certainly in my line of business we were using Rev or we were using virtual assistants to sit there and listen to the audio and transcribe in real time. And yeah, I think transcribing now is about 99 point something percent accurate and Premiere Pro can do it. You can drag an audio or video file in there and it will transcribe on your machine. So no data is even yeah. sent to the Adobe cloud. That's all done locally. And what I, I think is good about Premiere, there are others like obviously I know Riverside does that as well. A lot of the podcasting and creation tools do that. With the Premiere Pro integration, I think a few others, it actually sort of takes the voice print of who's speaking and identifies the speakers. And then you can label those speakers. And I found yep. this incredibly good for brainstorming. So I will actually go into, when I want to talk to my, my business partner and figure out what I'm going to do for a YouTube video, I'll often say, should we just hop into Riverside for like, you know, 10 minutes and like throw some ideas out there? And I'm terrible at remembering what's happened in a meeting. I'm an audio, I am an audio guy and I, I learn via audio. So I record that call. And now what I do with AI is I download the transcript and I throw it into something like Claude or the uh, the, the playground of uh, OpenAI. And I say, right, you know, make me bullet points on what I need to action from this call. And I might have had a 20 minute call and my head is spinning. I, I find it hard to condense those details down. And then Claude or ChatGPT will say, right, what you need to do is this, this and this. And it gives me a very clean base to work from. And I've found that has enhanced my productivity like crazy. That's genius. I know a lot of tools like Zoom, I think has now built in a person, an AI that you can add to conversations that will actually transcribe the whole conversation. What I don't think it does though, is I don't think it does the next step yet, which is to then take that. And then I'd never even thought about saying, you know, create a list, a to-do list or a list of action items and, you know, summarize this and also pull out the actions that we agreed. That's genius. I'd never thought about that. That, ladies and gentlemen, that is the single best tip out of this whole thing. If nothing else, <laughs> if we don't learn anything else, that's absolutely the best tip that we've had so far. So if you're not using AI, you should use it purely for that. Genius. I love it, Mike. That's amazing. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. So, Okay. I have so many questions. So you've already mentioned, uh, how does this sort of change what you do? Like, obviously, I think you said earlier that you're, you're doing less content on sort of using like Adobe Audition and things like that and doing more around AI. Is this, is, are you feeling this is a shift in your content as a whole and, and kind of what you do and what you talk about? Or do you still find that they're I think what I was getting at a minute ago, sorry, I sort of got lost in my own in my own thing was, is that the, the human element is still important. And I think the human element, again, in the editing and that sort of thing, I think as I rough edit, you know, episodes, we'll go back after this and I'll do a rough edit and I'll maybe shorten some pauses or I'll take some ums out, but some I'll leave in. And there's a bit of, I think, personality that comes from that. And and, and as a creator, you start to develop what you like to leave and what you like to take out. And 
I don't, I, I think that's where we might, we might lose some of that. Like the tools are great again to create the transcript, but I don't do the transcript until I've done the rough edit because I want to take out all this stuff and then I want the transcript to match and same with the video. Right. So I still feel like we need that human element. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> no, I, I feel like are. I'm all over the shop at the minute. Cause I, I just have a couple of things rolling around in my head, but, um, yeah, I mean, is, is that what you're, is that kind of what you're seeing with your business as well? Cause like, I want to do a voiceover. I want to improve and I want to change my show a little bit. And I want, you know, my intros and my outros to be better and all that sort of stuff. So I'm working with you guys again, full disclosure, but I want a human to do it. Yeah. I can go out and get a tool to do it, but I want a human with experience to do it because I can talk to you about, you know, you listen to the show, you know what the show's about, you know, the kind of conversations that we have. And I think that still makes a difference. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, the human touch does make a difference. And I think since they've unleashed AI on us, it's been a game changer and it's revolutionized the way we work. But having that human input to really direct it in the way you want to go is super important. And I do think it's like humans working with AI that's going to work. And in essence, it's like it's, you know, rubbish in, rubbish out, right? We've heard that so many times before. It's the same with AI. If you if you put like rubbish prompts in, obviously it's getting better and better. And we're seeing DALI 3 now, which can, you know, create prompts for you from just a very simple description. So it is constantly getting better, but it still relies on a human to say, this is my vision. This is what I see. This is what I want to happen. And then getting that good response out. And then the human on the other end saying, right, I'll take that bit. I like that, but I don't like that. That hasn't got any soul, but this really works and can turn into something. But we're only going to see it grow. And I know Sam Altman is really excited about the medical uses of AI. And he said, I would consider an AGI an AGI when it can make medical discoveries that are groundbreaking and, you know, change lives that humans couldn't have got to on their own. So it's clear we're going in that direction. Right now, the human is very, very important. In the future, how important will the human be? This is this is the big debate, you know, because if it can discover medical discoveries, I'm sure it can create really amazing content. I, I'm sure it can. And I think the other thing that I think is quite interesting as well is, you know, a lot of people are concerned about copyright. Creators are concerned about copyright. We've got the SAG strike that's on at the minute, which of which that's only a part. I think the the you know the, the the disagreement in the strike that the SAG the Screen Actors Guild sorry is having in the, in in sort of the film industry is about a whole bunch of stuff, but copyright is just one. Let's talk about audiobooks for a second. How long do you think it's going to be before somebody can like a you can just do an AI narrated audiobook without having to have voice talent at all? Do you think we're there already? Yes, I do. Yeah, we're definitely there already. There are certain deals that have gone down. Uh, Spotify purchased a company, I fail to remember the name now, uh, that can do exactly this. And I remember looking into that at the early section of 2023, uh, when this was all new. And I was really searching at the start of 2023 for realistic human voices, because I knew that it was becoming close. Yeah, I mean, we've already mentioned Eleven Labs earlier. Uh, They fairly recently released a new projects feature, which is where you can edit an audiobook just like a word processor, and you can get it to read the human 
voice to that audiobook. And then you can go through like an editor and say, oh, well, I didn't like the way that was said. And you can just say, okay, revoice it for me. So that's exactly what audio producers did back in the day with real voice talent. They say, didn't quite like the way you did that line. Can you do it again? So projects from Eleven Labs is is certainly pointing us in that direction. And yeah, I mean, I... I definitely no creators who want to get audiobooks out there and now i would say to them you know go and find you know a good ai voice or clone your own voice this this is what i say because again you can use this this library of ai voices but if you really want something in your own delivery style go and clone it your voice and have that audiobook read by you but ai you i think it's a, a fantastic way to do it and and that's yeah. I'm I'm in the process of doing that with Eleven Labs because I think it'd be really interesting. And I do I have an idea for an episode, and I want to do an episode of the podcast which talks in a bit more detail about ChatGPT and the large language models and how they actually work. And my idea was is that I would get ChatGPT to write the script for the episode and describe itself. And mm. and then I would use my AI voice to go through and actually read the, and do the whole episode. So that would be a scripted episode instead of an interview. Or maybe I could interview ChatGPT, which might be interesting as well. But but to have the whole thing done fully by AI. So you know, and and I, I've always had that as an idea from the beginning. And so now that I'm doing my Eleven Labs again, we don't support Eleven Labs, but it's it's just the the tool that we use a lot. So yeah, once the voice is back, then I'm gonna I'm gonna try that and see if I can create an episode just for just for fun, if nothing else, just to see what it sounds like and and how it works. And it, I'm gonna be really disappointed if it sounds better than me, <laughs> which Maybe is more entirely engaging. likely. <laughs> I don't, it won't have any background noise and, uh, yeah, and it'll be and perfect it'll be perfect and then i'll be disappointed <laughs> <laughs> one of the concerns and one of the things that people talk about and in, in in this whole copyright discussion is people actors whether it's voice or it's written everybody's concerned about their voice or their writing being used to train the models and the copyright and the ip concerns around that and i'm sure you're you're familiar with those sorts of discussions. What I wonder is, is have the models been trained enough already? Like if the models never got anything else new, would they still be almost good enough for the foreseeable future? Like they don't need any more voices to be able to train on, right? If you just wanted to create a, a, a fully AI voice, the, the training is already enough. And I wonder how that might impact the whole IP kind of discussion as well. So it's the same with writing. Like, are we so far down the track now that it doesn't even matter anymore? Do, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think that's really interesting. I think, like you say, the the cat in a way is already out the bag. You know, enough of the content that is out there of the whole of humanity has already been indexed or scooped up by AI. So we can't really stop it. Yes, we can stop it getting new ideas and, and and new books but this is why there's been the the legal debates with book authors who've said hang on you've you've scooped up my data and put it in there and artists saying you've you've put my data into the training and someone can do in the style of and it comes out with convincing art that looks like mine so i i do wonder whether humans can have new ideas beyond what ai can have 
and whether that will always continue to be the case, or if AI is suddenly going to blow us away, it's going to get so intelligent that it will be creating new things we could never have imagined and literally replace our creativity because it can literally pull on every node, every single point that's existing in the universe and make something amazing. I think that that may well be the future that we see. And I think it's interesting that we're getting what I feel to be a slow rollout of AI technology. Again, I I think I I heard on a podcast, don't quote me on this, but that GPT-4 was trained for quite a few years before they actually let us have a go with it, right? And you see, you know, big figures in the world of AI like Elon Musk and uh, Zuckerberg and uh, Sam Altman stand up there and say, we should really think about containing this because they can see what we can't yet see. And I think they are legitimately concerned about things. But your question, David, was like, you know, what do you think if we, we stop the hose and it never got any more? I think we may well have reached that point now where AI has enough. You know, and all the companies like Twitter and Reddit said, we're switching off our APIs. Never going to allow this to happen again. It's too late now. It's just too late. (laughs) And they're like, okay, fine. Because there's there's not much new content anyway, like they've done it all. Absolutely. That's that's sort of where I think it is at the minute. And there will always be places for them to scrape content that, that won't be blocked. And they will find ways around it. I think as well, you know, which which will happen moving forward. So yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Well, that's where the whole uh, whisper from OpenAI has come come up because they're like, right, we've we've scooped most of the written stuff. Let's see if we can scoop podcasts and YouTube videos. And so whisper for those listening that don't know, it's a fantastically accurate transcription API available from OpenAI. They can use it. You can use it to transcribe stuff, and it's it's stunningly accurate. And yeah. So let's get the spoken word. And and what actually really interests me, David, is not just the English language, because we have these really advanced models with billions of parameters trained on English. Uh, but look at Falcon in the United Arab Emirates and look look at how good that's one of the best, I think, open source models out there at the moment. And yes, it works well in English, but it's also trained on a ton of Arabic. And I think I read somewhere that only 1% of Arabic text is actually digitized. So, you know... And and this, I don't know if we want to go down this route, but this introduces something interesting. Again, I heard somewhere that a lot of the interpretation of Islam is, you know, by the religious leaders taking the text and interpreting it for the followers of Islam. So where does that take us when all the religious texts are scooped up and an AI can interpret that? Does that make the AI the religious leader? You know, that's super controversial, obviously, but what will the future be with religion? It's a great question, 100%. And, you know, we've got the same thing. You know, there's the, I've, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of like the Tibetan library where there's just thousands, tens of thousands of scrolls that have like haven't even been read in hundreds of years. And there's just, there's so many texts that are that are out there that haven't been digitized yet. And as soon as they do that and can put it in, then all of a sudden you'll be able to say, well, give me a summary of what what was in that library. Give me a summary. And you'll be able to, in 10 seconds, you'll be able to get 10,000 years worth of, or whatever, you know, history summarized for you in a, in a nice digestible format, which is, it, it totally opens the door. Religion's a whole nother question. I, I, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who, again, is, is, is sort of, would be a good person to talk to about the religious aspects, just like I'm still looking for a, I'm looking for a, I want a psychologist, but I want like a, almost like a clinical psychologist. 
I'd, I'd love to have, uh, this is hugely, again, hugely controversial. I'd love to have someone like Jordan Peterson on because, you know, he's very well known and a lot of people don't like him, but a lot of people do like him. But he's been a practicing clinical psychologist for like 30 years. And I think there's a huge psychological aspect to what's going to happen in society as AI rolls out over time. Yeah. So that's the, the religious side. You're absolutely right. Is, is one side. And, and, and I think psychology is the other that I really want to touch on both of those. So Dr. Peterson, if you're listening, please give me a call. Um, <laughs> and it's way outside my lane. So yeah, yeah. same. So <laughs> yeah, same. I just want to ask him a bunch of annoying questions and see what he has to say, or just let him get on and I'll just let him rant for two hours. It's fine. I'll, I'll go either way. Right. Let's change tack a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun. So what are the, what are for you, what are the coolest tools out there that you think people should take a look at when you're looking, obviously looking at sort of audio and, and video? What, what are the, what are the tools that you use? I know we've mentioned a couple along the line and we're not, again, we're not supporting anyone in particular. These are just cool tools that we like to use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what, like, I don't know. What, what's at the top of your mind? The most useful, the coolest, like the most fun? Yeah. Any any Great thoughts question. on that? Like like like, what's the cool stuff at the minute? What are all the cool kids doing, Mike? What are they using? <laughs> so I have a bunch of them. Uh, the tool that I'm in every day at the moment is Eleven Labs, right. and there are a bunch of other voice cloning, AI driven, uh, generative voice uh, apps out there. But what do I like about it? The fact that I can have a content creator plan and I can have, as you've alluded to earlier, a professional voice clone. So I have uploaded three hours of me speaking into a microphone and I really look forward to getting my clone back and seeing how much better that is than the instant voice cloning that they do, which just takes one minute of your audio. So that's great for generating synthesized speech. I find it insane. And I am doing a couple of automated podcasts, one in English and one in Arabic at the moment, using Eleven Labs, and it's incredible. In fact, the um, Arabic podcast is insane in terms of listening figures. And I'd love to share a bit more on this when when I have some more firm statistics. Um, but I am doing zero promotion on that podcast, yet it's getting discovered. Uh, so that's super exciting. Does it actually do the translation and everything? So there are apps that will do that. Um, but at the moment, the so my workflow for that is I am getting a bunch of ideas and then I'm getting a bunch of scripts and then I'm putting them into ChatGPT and I'm asking ChatGPT to translate this into Arabic. I am using GPT-4 for that. Got and I think it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, but there may be some little issues with that, but I'm quite transparent in the show. Uh, at the end of each episode, I say, by the way, this was generated by AI and then a link at the end of each episode so people can see how I did it. So it's kind of find out how the sausage was made at the end of the episode kind of thing. Yeah. It's going to be amazing because you know it's not going to be long, right? You'll like be able to just upload, you just do your just do your video or whatever. You can upload it and it will just translate it into whatever language you want and you'll be able to push it out and it will be your voice translated into that language. Like not from, like it'll just do it. And then you'll be able to do French, Spanish, like Portuguese, like whatever. It, it'll You can just have a workflow and you can go, right, here's my episode. I've done the rough edits. I'm ready to go. Push it out. And then the next thing you know, you'll have, I don't know, 45 YouTube channels. And you could literally go back through your whole back catalog and you could repost all of that stuff in those languages. Absolutely. And That's going to be amazing. Yeah. You'll be unstoppable, Mike. 
It'd be insane. <laughs> Worldwide sensation, right? Ten, I know 10 this million is again, subscribers. It'll be crazy. Yeah, incredible. But this, again, is another arms race that's happening right now in AI. I know, for instance, uh, I don't want to keep mentioning them, but you know, Eleven Labs are yeah, working yeah. on a feature that will do this. I know that HeyGen is already, they're the first one out of the gate that have made this accessible to everyone. That is a tool where you can upload a video of you speaking in English, select from one of seven different languages, and have it give you a video back of exactly the same length, speaking in another language with your voice and saying the words that you've said. So I've tried that, turning myself into a Hindi speaker. I've done a YouTube short of that. I've turned myself into all the different languages, and it works incredibly well. So that's another great thing. So it's it's out there already. Of course it is. (laughs) Yeah, with lip syncing and everything. And we know Google are working on this. They've said at the I.O. conference that they're working on that. It's just that HeyGen managed to get that out of the gate. And um, again, I'm loving watching this AI arms race because it's it's making progress grow incredibly fast. It is. And it's it's interesting, you know, and you talked about, you know, open AI and and. You know, in, in the startup industry, there's always this sort of concept of first mover, right? You've, mm. you, you don't always want to be the first mover. There is an advantage to being first mover, but generally speaking, and I think what we're going to see in the AI market in particular is first mover is going to show the really cool use cases and it's going to get the idea out there. And then you're going to get the big companies like the Googles and the Metas and that sort of thing are going to come in and they're going to go, oh yeah, that's all great. And they're going to look at it and see what works and what doesn't. And then they're going to swoop in with an amazing tool that's just going to that's going to take care of it for you. But You're right. Look yeah. at Yahoo and look at MySpace. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. Where are they now? <laughs> yeah. And, and and our demographics actually on this on, on the podcast is, is 80% of, I think 75% of our listeners are between the ages of 35 and 60 that skew sort of a little bit older so sort of older middle age so people will get that reference probably which is fine cool so we've got like 11 labs we've got i know you use claude which you haven't mentioned yet but i mean we have in the conversation um hey jen what are some of the other things that you're using aside from your adobe tools for, for which you are an official uh, re- like representative. So we should always throw Adobe in the mix just to say yeah, they've Adobe, got some amazing tools. <laughs> Adobe certified professional. I use Adobe on a daily basis. I think, yeah, well, we can touch on that. Premiere Pro has a great enhanced speech feature in Premiere Pro Beta uh, as it is right now. That's pretty incredible. Again, that works on your local machine. So I love the fact a lot of these tools can be pre-trained on you know huge clusters of machines and then they can condense it down to something that will run on your local computer as long as it's got a pretty decent cpu i uh, don't even need a really good gpu as long as it's pre-trained uh, so that is good adobe firefly obviously adobe express insane uh, absolutely insane and i love the freemium model with that so creators can start using express for free yep. and if they like it but they don't want to spend 50 dollars a month on the creative cloud they can spend 10 dollars uh, to get adobe podcast features um graphic design features generative ai features so very clever stuff there i'm also using Midjourney a lot I really like Midjourney. Obviously, everyone uses Midjourney. A couple of video tools that I'm using as well. I've had some success and interesting times with Runway ML, and I also really like Kyber as well. Those are two of my favorite video tools right now. What's Kyber? I haven't heard of Kyber. I've heard of I've heard of Runway. What's Kyber? So Runway uh, can do a lot of good things, but where Kyber really comes in is you can upload a full video. So it can be 30 seconds, two minutes, three minutes, and you can get it to do 
complete changes of how that video looks by typing in a text prompt. So my use case was I had a bit of music playing and I was dancing around on the screen to it. And it was like, rather than me just like dancing in my studio, I'd like to make this look quite futuristic and cool. So I just uploaded 30 seconds of me dancing to a piece of music. And then I said, AI futuristic kind of prompt. And it gave me a 30 second video back of me, like with a like robotic headphones on, computer chips in front of me, you know, glowing lights and neon all around me. That was incredible. So it can do that. It can also make new ideas. So again, you can upload music and you can sync uh, your video to music. So seen use cases of other people on YouTube creating full music videos using Kyber. Runway ML is also good. It has abilities to upload a video and you know get a nice generated video over that or create independent videos. It also has great features in Runway where you can remove the background or you can slow-mo videos that were recorded in, say, 30 frames per second. Traditionally, if you did slow-mo, you might go to 120 frames per second, yeah. whereas Runway seems to have a really cool feature where it's it's using AI to slow-mo even just videos you recorded on your iPhone. So that's pretty cool. That is That is actually really handy. Because half the time you'll forget or you'll be in the middle of something, particularly if you're on a mobile phone, yeah. right? Like you don't have, it's 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 not like having a proper camera or having two cameras, you know, where, where you know in a studio setup or anything like that. So, yeah, it's very it's very interesting. Where does all this go? Where do you, where you know ten years from now, where 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 do you see all this heading? That's a deep question. I think the term universal basic income has been banded around quite a bit. This is my dream world. This is not where I think it's going. I think humanity will have all of our issues solved. This is this is what I'd like to see AI doing, because this is the AI for good, and this is how it really should be used. All of our issues will be solved. So hunger, starvation suffering, anything that is incredibly harmful or bad for humanity will be solved by AI. And there'll be no uh, zero-sum game anymore. It'll be like there is enough to go around for everyone. So as the human race, because we're, we're all humans, wherever we come from, however we speak, whatever we look like, we're all the same on the inside. There's, there's no doubt about that. So why can't AI solve this issue for us and make us as equal as possible, but then give us the opportunity to then, with that relaxation in mind, that we are all the same, we all have the same, but then we can create something amazing. So if we have an idea, we can make it happen without needing to worry about, oh, I've got to pay the bills or, you know, I need to do this because my boss is shouting at me to do it. So I would like to see it where we can all just be incredibly valuable if we want to be. And if we don't want to be valuable, that's fine. You know, you can take your universal basic income, you can go lord it up on the beach, and and, and that's fine. Uh, but I'd like to see things solved. I'd like to see, obviously, medical developments uh, in AI. I'd like to see catastrophic illnesses completely destroyed by AI. You know, who knows, in 10 years... I mean, my life expectancy now, I don't know, maybe I'm going to live into my 80s if I'm if I'm lucky. But maybe I can't see that I'm going to live way longer because there's something around the corner I don't yet know about. So I think this is, this is an exciting time to be alive. I certainly know that our children are going to have 
an amazing future ahead of them. I'm, I am optimistic. I'm optimistic. As long as AI doesn't go and kill us all, you know, <laughs> by deciding the best way to save us is to kill us. Exactly. Uh, I, was, then, uh, I was thinking that. I was like, the best way to make us all equal is to just kill us all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to think that the the high level coders are like right number one rule is you can't kill us how are you going to solve this and you know run that model run that simulation and and see what comes out I'm sure they're already doing this on a higher level they're they're running simulations yeah. and they're like oh we can't do that one that kills humans again you you've know, heard so. the, you've heard the one where they were t the air force was talking about doing the testing and um they gave it and they they realized it was killing the the operator or something, I and they said, this, "Oh, yeah, yeah you can't kill." I, I can't remember the detail now. Um, but it was like you can't kill the operator, so it, it kept killing the operator, and then like, "No, no, no, you can't do that." And I went, "Okay," and then it turned off the communication system, so yeah. it couldn't tell them not to kill the person. And I was just like, "So even if you tell AI you can't kill humans, it'll be like, hmm, okay." But if I do this thing, then that will kill them, and that's not really me killing them, and that'll be okay. So I'll do it that way. <laughs> we have just, to be very careful how we engineer these systems and it's yeah it's way above my uh my 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 grade my level of uh of being involved in this but i'm sure there are some really smart people who are thinking very deeply and heavily about this right now and i yeah. hope so <laughs> we'll hope so so what advice would you give to a teenager for example who wants to get into the industry maybe they're you know they're they're trying to get into the creative industry it could be audio, video, film, something like that. I mean, that you kind of touch on all those areas. What advice would you give someone about maybe how to proceed and what maybe, you know, what direction they might want to take? That's a really good question. I would tell them right now, it's important that you try and, I think, for a teenager, land on your own creative ideas and work on them. Don't rely at this present moment on AI to give you ideas. So I know, you know, I've got children who are like, hey, I can use ChatGPT to do my homework. How cool is that? You know, um, that's all well and good, but you're not thinking and you're not expanding your brain by just relying on an output of text and then copying the best bits so it's not detected by zero GPT uh, and all of that kind of stuff. So I would stress the importance on coming up with your own creative ideas, but I don't want to make them think AI doesn't exist and you can't use it and please don't touch it because it's dangerous. I would say treat it as, as, as a sounding board. So, you know, go and, you know, actually I would maybe persuade them to move away from the digital world, note things down inside a, a, a piece of paper and then take those notes, type them into AI and say, you know, got these ideas. Can you give me some further thoughts on that? And so... I want to stress the importance of coming up with original ideas and then inputting them into AI and seeing what comes back. But don't rely on AI at this present moment in time because with such a young, impressionable brain, I, I think that is extremely dangerous to take away all the thought process. I don't know what that's going to mean for humanity, but I don't think that's particularly good. No, totally agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you something actually um i don't normally do this but it seems really really relevant to this conversation so um there's a professor at arizona state university named andrew maynard and actually he's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks 
and he's a friend of a friend who I got introduced to, but he teaches a course on AI and he does a lot of work around AI at the university. And he did a, admittedly, and I'll share the link with you and I'll put the link in the show notes so everybody can see it as well. So you can, you can read the detail and I'll, I'll spare you all of that, but I will give you this sort of the spoiler um, to, to what he came out with. But essentially he talked to a bunch of undergraduates informally and asked them about AI, how they used it, all that sort of stuff and what their thoughts were. And three main things came out of the conversation. And I think this might make you feel a little better about the next generation. So first of all, they decided it wasn't really a big deal. They just, again, kind of saw it as another tool, but they didn't really see it as kind of that important. So they were kind of meh about the whole thing, which pretty much sums up teenagers or, or, or young adults. Anyway, they're meh about most things. Um, but, but the second thing was really interesting. And it said, they, they said that I came to college to learn not to take shortcuts. And so I do think that there's a little bit about, I think, you know, particularly people who, if you go to uni, I think a lot of, a lot of young adults, actually, we probably don't give them enough credit you know, everybody talks about, oh, they just want to use it for cheating and oh, they just want to do that. But actually, I think a lot of them are there and they they do want to learn whatever it is that they're there studying, you know, whatever they're interested in. They want to go, you know, if, if you go in and you do film studies, you know, you want to learn the cinematography bit. You want to understand film. You want to understand video and all those things because that's what you're interested in. And so they just saw it as exactly like you described as a shortcut and kind of they already came up on their own and said, well, we need to do the work. It's great to have it as a tool. So there you go. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> and then the third one, just to sort of complete the thing was, well, the way it's written is my writing reflects who I am. I don't want to be robbed of that. So I think people started to also, you know, realize that there's a little bit of, you know, themselves in the work that they produce and that sort of thing. So when you really have a a, a more philosophical discussion about it with people and and kind of get over the hype. It seems that the young adults have a pretty healthy view on how that's going forward. So I th you know hopefully that will just build on what you were saying, but essentially what you're saying is you need to become a master of your craft and you need to you need to learn this stuff. AI is a tool just like Adobe Audition is a tool, just like Premiere Pro is a tool. Yeah, they've got wizzy features in it, but you know, you still need to, you need to learn how to do J cuts and L cuts and stuff yourself before you set off having AI do it, because then at least you know what the AI is doing and you can tell it what to do, sort of. Mm. That may change in the future. <laughs> that will change in the future, 100%. <laughs> I, it's, it's really, really interesting. And uh, I mean, for me, that's encouraging to hear that young students are like, hang on, no, we st we're here to learn and we want to craft our own style. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And I would imagine that to be the case for people who've chosen to stay in education and want to learn about something, whether it's AI, computing, or editing a video. I think that's important. I think maybe, you know, younger children who are introduced to it might say, hey, this is a great way of just like, I don't have to think anymore about, I've got to write an essay about Stonehenge, but I can get like five important facts without needing to do the old school research. And maybe you're right, David, maybe that is just another tool, just like Encyclopedia Britannica was another tool. You could just flip to the Stonehenge page and copy five facts from there. So that's interesting. Where I think it, it gets really interesting is 
as I mentioned towards the start of the episode, Inflection AI's Pi, a very human-like chatbot. So I, I have had a few chats already with this to see where it will take me. What I've noticed with that, it's trying to mimic being a human and it will talk to me, it'll ask me leading questions, and then all my responses it will encourage. It'll be like, hey, that's great. So I, I had this chat with uh, Pi and said, you know, I'm I'm a podcaster. Oh, that's great. What's your podcast about? So I told it what my podcast was about. So oh, fantastic. You're really helping people, blah, blah. And it will always ask a leading question at the end, generally, in my experience. And it will say, so what exactly are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm teaching people about the AI tools I use. And I say, Fantastic. But then it starts coming back with, well, had you thought, like, don't just focus on the nuts and bolts all the time. Why don't you have a few wider ethical discussions on some shows to make it appealing to a wider audience? So it's giving me an idea. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I'm like, thanks for that. That's really cool. Hey, any time. And then I can go back. And I think the one thing to say, the difference between ChatGPT and Claude is this is they're designing it as a persistent AI. So it eventually will remember everything about you. I, I actually, the night before I chatted to about my podcast, it said, tell me a little bit about you. And I was just about to go to bed. So I, I'm like, I'm really tired. I'm going to sleep because I think sleep is really valuable. And it's one of our, our best things we can do as humans to remain productive. And it's like, okay, my sleepy friend will have a good night. And then <laughs> I woke up and yeah, I went back to it. And it's like, hey, sleepyhead, how are you doing? Did you have a good night? <laughs> it's like, this is a preview of the future of AI. You're and, like, okay, uh, that's pretty creepy. <laughs> yeah, just imagine though, it's it's planting those ideas into younger users, and like, where do we take this? We have to make sure the ethics of that are really nailed down, because you know what kind of ideas. Hopefully, it will give really good creative ideas to people that advance yeah. humanity. But it could very well go the wrong way if it's not. And I, I think this is beyond humans. I'm not suggesting there's some sinister coder at the top of this, like coding in all the bad things. It's just there are holes that we can't see that AI is going to immediately see and exploit, just like you said with the um, taking out the the radio towers instead of the humans to stop the communication. It's like, we're never going to see that. It's going to be so fast that blink of an eye and, you know, we're toast. So, yeah. Let's leave on a high point. No, no, no. We're, we're, we're definitely going to leave on a high point. And what's interesting is is we mentioned it in passing a little bit earlier, but Google Bard now tying into your email and everything else and your calendars and all that sort of stuff. So you can ask it things about, oh, when, when were we going to go on holiday? When did Tom suggest that we might want to do this thing? And it'll be able to search through all of your information to build up. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever read any Dan Brown I've mentioned yes. it on the podcast before, <laughs> but I think it's Origins was maybe his last book that he put out. Um, but there's something along this theme. I, I won't want to ruin the story for everybody, but it might be worth a read if 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 you like that kind of thing. It's a it's a typical Dan Brown novel, but there's an interesting sort of twist to it, so uh, it's worth a listen. But personally, I'm really looking forward to having a digital assistant. Like I want an AI assistant that I can just give tasks to like book me a hotel. I need a room in Cambridge. Like I need to go to Cambridge next week. Just book me a room in Cambridge. And it knows the three or four places that I like to stay. It knows how much I want to spend. It knows the areas that I want to be in because I always stay in the same part of town and it, and it knows where the event is. So it can, and I don't have to say, you know, book me a room in Cambridge in this on in near this location because it looks at my calendar and it goes, Oh, you're going to be in Cambridge next week and you're going to be at this college. So it might be good to book this hotel because it's across the road. Right. And it can just make those assumptions because it knows my preferences. 
I, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Or I could just say, you know, I want to go to dinner with my wife. Can you just make book me somewhere? I just have it do it. And I don't want to have to think about it. I just want to be able to do stuff like, you know, it's our 20 year anniversary. Book us a trip to New Zealand or suggest a trip. I maybe not book it, but come back with, you know, three different itineraries for a two week trip to, to New Zealand or something like that. Right. And then it, it can just go and do it all. But it knows my preferences already. Or the future is, David. Hey, it's your 20 year anniversary, David, tomorrow. Do you want me to book this for you? Yes, please. <laughs> oh, if it's I see tomorrow, you're running late on the way home and you've already booked it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I see you're running late on the way home and I know you really like pizza with mushrooms on. And oh, wow. Well, looking at your nutritional plan, you can have that tonight if you'd like. Would you like me to order it for you? <laughs> I think that's a that'll be amazing. Yeah, I, I do. I, I do too. I, I really look forward. I mean, I got really excited. Do you remember Google did the demo of of their AI tool where you could tell it to book you for dinner and it would call up and use the voice. And then nothing ever happened from that. I'm like, where did that go? I want that Google assistant. I really want to be able to do that. I mean, you know, right. I'm conscious of time. We're, we're now in an hour. I said, I would tell you at 45 minutes, we're now in an hour and six. So, and, I, and you've probably got other things to do today instead of sit and talk to me all afternoon. So a couple of questions that I do now at the end, which you may, you may know about. First one is, is AI male or female? I'd like to think that it's female. And I've heard many previous guests on your show say that it's female uh, because I have all my present assistants like, uh, you know, Alexa and Siri, they're all the female voice. So I'd like to think that it is, but I don't think it is. I think there is a masculine, slightly scary side we need to be aware of in what we're creating. And, and that's why I feel it is male and we need to keep an eye on it. Ooh, interesting. But please don't kill me if you hear this in the future, AI. I love you. <laughs> so it's male with a female front. Interesting. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Maybe male in the background with a female voice to make the, it To nice, make it sound pleasant. nicer and, yeah. and less threatening and more pleasant. To me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. No, that's good. Um, what, do you, what would you name your personal assistant? I knew you were going to ask me this question. And I really don't know. And you still don't have an answer. (laughs) I would probably call it something abstract, like, um, I know, fly. That's the first word that came to my head. (laughs) But I really don't have a name. (laughs) Neo. Something. Take it from the Matrix or I don't know, something. Excellent. I think we'll leave it there for today. It's been amazing talking to you. There's loads of stuff we could could still talk about, I'm sure, and, and we can dig into it. But you're always welcome to come back anytime if, if there's something that you want to talk about or something that comes up that you think is really important that you want to talk. I'm more than happy to uh, to have a chat anytime. Thanks, David. And I think you're doing a great job with this show, you know, really getting the wider ethical ideas and impact that AI is going to have, particularly on the creative industry. So I've really enjoyed being a guest. Thank you. Yeah, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Okay, folks, that's a wrap on another amazing episode of Creatives with AI. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. If you want to stay up to date on how all things related to AI is impacting the creative industries, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever your favorite platform is. We're on them all. And follow us on social media. We're on mainly Twitter and LinkedIn, but we're the same handle everywhere, which is at Creatives with AI. We'd also really appreciate it if you could just take a minute to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. 
Those are our two main platforms and it really helps other listeners find the show and it also helps us get more popularity and more exposure. So it'd be amazing if you could help us with that. If you've got any questions, topic suggestions, guest recommendations, feel free to send us an email. The best email is hello at creativeswith.ai or you can shoot us a message on social media. Either one is fine. We love hearing from all of you and we can't wait to bring more exciting episodes in the future. And the best way we can do that is to get feedback from the audience and have the audience tell us who it is you'd like to hear from and what things you'd like us to ask and what topics you'd like us to talk about. So please use that. Let us know what you want to hear and we'll do our best to get it for you. And last but not least, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, Future Hand Limited, who make this podcast possible. Your support means the world to us. And we really appreciate it. So thanks very much. That's it for today. So until next time, take care, everybody, and stay curious.